Welcome back to The Last Post for issue Saturday, January 19th. I'm your host, Andrew Carey, and you're listening to the Limerick Post podcast, bringing you this week's news in bite-sized portions. Remember, you can keep up to date with all Limerick news on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Limerick Post, and hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted. In this week's edition, our front page lead story looks at claims from two senior gynaecologists in the Midwest who say that health ministers' free smear tests are putting lives at risk due to excessive delays in obtaining the test results. I'm joined now by journalist Bernie English, who's more on the story. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Dr. Beatrice Neufeld, who was um, instrumental in the rollout of the cervical check in the first place when Limerick took part in the pilot project, is very concerned at the length of time it's taking to get the tests back since the minister offered every woman in the country a free test. It's now taking up to four months, and she says this is so long, it could be the difference between life and death for a lot of women. She can actually get those tests done in a matter of days or a turnaround in 24 hours in a German clinic, yet we're lagging behind with four months' wait to know if women have abnormalities. Bernie, this story seems to be progressing all the time with something new. These claims are just shocking again. Absolutely, and she's the second gynaecologist in the Midwest to actually make these claims. Another gynaecologist who has not been named um, wrote to the minister last October and warned him this was going to happen. And the entire system now is clogged, so they are actually now getting tests back with dubious results, which were taken last June. This story isn't going away very fast, but we'll stay, with the, so. we'll stay with the medical theme and moving over to the hospital briefly. And you have a story of measures that were put in place with cases of emergency overcrowding. It's now considered normal practice that these measures are in place? Yes, um, this is supposed to be what they call the escalation plan, in which... Patients are moved out of wards when they can be. People are sent home with um, home care packages. And the idea is that if you get a certain number of people waiting on trolleys for who have been admitted but who are waiting on trolleys in the ED, beds will be found for them. This was meant to be an exception. And four or five years ago, it was used maybe 50 times in the entire year. Now it's actually been used. Last year it was used 364 days out of 365. So whether this could be called an escalation plan is extremely dubious at the moment. And Morris Quinlivan of Sinn Féin has taken up the, the cudgel on this one and says this is this has become the norm, and I think it's probably evident that it is. Stories with the hospital and medical issues are just rumbling on, but thankfully we've got a brighter, inspirational story from Jean Tierney this week, uh, the Limerick woman who's inspiring many with her leadership uh, through the Operation Transformation. You were talking to Jean. I was talking to Jean, and she's the absolute spirit of what Operation Transformation is about. It's not just about losing a few pounds. Jean wants to turn a whole lifestyle around. She's had a terribly tragic year where she lost, she and her partner, Paddy, lost a little girl at just five days days old. She was born prematurely. She also had a miscarriage, and previous to that, an ectopic pregnancy. So she's, she's grasping the new year and the new opportunity with both hands and she's extremely um, hopeful and she's extremely inspirational and has it really has the, a grip on the whole spirit of the thing. It's not just about shedding a few pounds, although she does want to shed a few pounds to get into her wedding dress. And look, we're girls, we know it's about clothes. Yeah, watching some of the footage uh, on RT and you can see the energy from Jean. It's a, mm, it's a truly inspirational yeah. story. Bernie, thanks very much for joining me today. Um, we'll okay, Andrew, more enjoy about- the read. Reporter Alan Jakes writes this week about calls from a local volunteer group to set up a drop-in centre in the city for people who are feeling low or contemplating suicide to try and keep them away from the River Shannon. Limerick Treaty Suicide Prevention, formerly known as the Corbett Suicide Watch, 
made 35 interventions along the river last month. Four of them last Friday night alone. Alan spoke with Celine Hickey, who told the Limerick Post that there is no one particular group or gender affected by this. Celine goes on to say that Limerick really needs a drop-in centre to help with the issue, as often it is a cry for help from people who just don't know where to turn. Page 4 and online at limerickpost.ie has more on this story. Limerick pop icon Dolores O'Riordan was remembered this week on the first anniversary of her tragic death. Uh, Entertainment's editor Eric Fitzgerald will join me later with more on that and Alan Jakes writes about it on page 12 this week. But I am joined by our digital editor Kean Reinhardt who went along to Armston House to capture some of the scenes from Piano for Dolores where fans and musicians remembered the Limerick songbird. Hi Kean. Hi Andrew, how are you getting on? So tell me about Armston House. Throughout the day... Uh, local artists and performers came along as well as fans to pay their respects for the the late Limerick Songbird as you say I arrived just after lunchtime there was still a nice crowd there and uh, the mood was not one of sadness but more of a joy people celebrating our life but uh, people just sat around listened to music some of the performers played some music Uh, the organiser Mark O'Connor from Dolce Vita was there to play the piano which was central to the room on the day I spoke with a local performer, Emma Langford, and she had this to say. started out maybe a bit sad, but I think now it's gone very kind of celebratory and it's just, everyone's just nice, happy to be here. Um, obviously it's a sad occasion and everyone would prefer for it not to be in memory of Dolores, but generally I think they're happy to be here. So uh, throughout the day there was performers there and earlier in the week as well, Nikki Wolf uh, donated some posters early posters of the band to Limerick Mayor James Collins which was another event which took place honouring Dolores uh, before this Friday where she will receive a posthumous doctorate. Nikki had this to say about the posters. Well uh, this original poster is from 1990 um, it was a gig that I did in the speakeasy probably better known to people in Limerick knows Texas takeout and um, Touch of Oliver actually got signed on the, on, on the, on the strength of the gig to Barnon Records which was gas because one of the few gigs that um, that Cranberries did, Dolores did stand with her back to the audience that night. She was quite a shy person, as people know, but I mean, when they came back and after doing the college circuit, and she did the Royal in 93, they had toned her craft to a phenomenal um, situation. They were an excellent band in 93, they really were. Yeah, that's great, Keane. It really seemed to be a celebration of Dolores rather than, as you say, a sombre mood. There was quite uplifting remembering, as it were. Exactly, and I think that was uh, the purpose behind it because people wanted to celebrate what she has done for Limerick on the music scene and that, that was some of the comments people made that they sold so many million records that most people wouldn't get to do that in their life. That's great, thanks very much Keen. and as I said we'll have more from Eric uh, from the entertainment section later on. Thank you. In our sports news, Sporting Limerick journalist John Kyo talks to Munster second row Jean Klein ahead of the province's European Champions Cup Pool 2 clash with Exeter on Saturday. Despite the impressive win against Gloucester, Klein says that Munster are back to zero again in what will be a massive home challenge against the English Premiership tabletoppers. The last three games have shown the cohesion between backs and forwards, he says, and a repeat of that this weekend could see the province move a step closer to securing a valuable home quarter-final berth in European rugby's top competition. John also talks with Johan van Graan on Munster's emotional energy that comes from deep within. He said that the passion for rugby and Munster is evidence on the streets from seeing the youths playing who are trying to emanate their heroes. The Munster coach says that that emotional energy will be needed this weekend to beat a team like Exeter. 
page 66 and 67 has more rugby news. There is also news from the Limerick footballers as Pa Ranahan writes about the hopes ahead for Billy Lee's young guns, while Jack Neville writes about the All-Ireland winning Limerick hurlers who are focused on holding on to the Liam McCarthy Cup. Fiona man Seamus Flanagan says that the attitude of his fellow teammates is just as focused. Our sports coverage spans pages 66, 67, 68 and 69 in this week's paper and is brought to you through our partnership with Sporting Limerick where more sports news beyond the paper is available over on limerickpost.ie. In business news this week, there was good news as telecommunications and internet service provider 3 has announced 30 new jobs for Limerick as the firm looks to expand its base in the National Technology Park base in Castle Troy. The new jobs will bring the headcount at the Limerick operation up to 500. Three was recently named as the best employer at the Limerick Chamber Regional Awards and Chamber Chief Executive D. Ryan said that a job announcement confirmed Three's commitment to Limerick. Applications for permanent and part-time roles in telesales will be accepted up until January 25th next. In other news, IBEC has called for an overhaul to the country's planning rules and process as it is described as both cumbersome and unnecessarily costly. In a report they released this week, the employers group also said that frivolous and vexatious challenges to planning decisions need to be discouraged as they delay infrastructural projects. Projects like Eriva's proposal to supplement the water supply to the Midland and Eastern regions with abstractions from the Shannon are likely to face delays. All of these, they say, could be avoided. Projects like the M20 Limerick to Cork motorway and the Northern Distributor Road are currently at design stage, but reforming the planning process could advise exorbitant delays in either project. Uh, entertainment editor Eric Fitzgerald is back with the latest news from the vibrant entertainment scene in Limerick. And like we mentioned earlier, Dolores and the Cranberries take top spot in your pages this week. You're very welcome back, Eric. Hi, Andy. Thanks a million. Yeah, um, the Cranberries, I suppose it's been uh, one year uh, on Tuesday, so um, I know the whole city has been commemorating it. And right across the world, really. I mean, we've been hearing uh, from fan clubs uh, in South America, in Italy, and uh, they've all been recognising... Uh, the gift and that the, the Dolores was to, and, and her music, you know, and and I think that the entire uh, celebrations or, or commemorations have, in a word, been classy. And I think that has been lovely to see. And people are remembering the Cranberries and Dolores for the music, you know, and we wish we didn't have to commemorate it, but that's what it is. Uh, this week, uh, the, the remaining members of the band, Mike, Noel and Fergal, of course, announced that there was going to be a new single out, brand new album coming, uh, which is great news because, thankfully, uh, they had practically completed an album by the end of 2017. They had brought it to what they called uh, demo quality. Um, and and they, they just made that decision then after a few months, after talking to Dolores' family, to go back into the studio, finish off the recordings. Now, when you... when somebody says somebody's vocals are of demo quality there's demo quality and there's Dolores O'Riordan's demo quality yeah. which she's just a, a natural singer so when she records you, you can hear it in the new single that came out all over now you know it's 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 pristine the, the singing is perfect you know and pretty a pretty amazing song as well to, to kick it off and I think we're going to have a little clip from that now as well Um, and also, uh, Kean was mentioning the 
celebration that was in Ormston House. So this week was a, a, a great tribute to um, to Dolores. You also have some news on rapper Shafto. Rapper uh, Shafto, yeah, I think his we aptly named track for this time of this, year. This is the most appropriate hip hop track ever released, I think. And uh, we're all suffering here. We've all spent yeah. all our money at Christmas, <laughs> and everybody's waiting for payday. You know, and for 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 those of us uh, getting paid by the month, that's a, a little bit away yet. So, Shafto, he's based out of Shannon and Six Five Bridge, and uh, he's quite the character. And um, yeah, he's come up with this uh, track, and um, it's it's a pretty amazing track over kind of a classic uh, hip hop groove. Uh, a London producer, Tony Bones, put it together, and uh, Shafto uh, had. I suppose it, it, it's it's a little bit like something that the Rubber Bandits used to do a while ago, you know. And he just uh, he he t- he takes the whole. Uh, the, the, the whole waiting and waiting uh, for that payday to come in January and uh, what happens, you know, and he's rapping about things like uh, when he finally gets paid, he's like, uh, hop in a taxi, I don't know where to go. Yesterday I was broke, now I'm running the show. And uh, yeah, he, he's, he's just great fun. And he's working, he's working on his uh, debut album at the moment. So he's one to look out for. It's uh, Jeffrey Ryan, all the way from Six Mile Bridge, known as Shafto. So you can see that on YouTube. I think Ian is going to And just to wrap, um, you have some news from London-based Limerick band Wen Young. Yeah, so we've been kind of following these guys on our pages for a couple of years now. They, uh, the trio are called Wen Young and they actually got themselves together uh, hanging out in venues like Costello's, I think the rest of us know where that is, and um, jumping, jumping around to, to Joy Division songs and they, they formed a band like so many do out of that venue and uh, found themselves in London. They were called Sisters first. They had made some demo tapes from that point of view. Now they have been working uh, under the name um, Wen Young and they have released the EP Given Up that was critically acclaimed when it came out. Very strong tracks and they, they are now coming out and it, they're now coming out on Virgin EMI with a really good video uh, for, the, for the brand new single uh, Never Let Go. So and uh, it's a fantastic track and it's a great story because um, literally I would have seen these guys playing to 20 people maybe two years ago. Brilliant just before Christmas they played to a full house in Dolan's and they played an amazing set at Other Voices in Dingle and you just watch a band as they um, as they develop their songwriting and the star rises. Um, like I say, this is now out in Virgin EMI. This is the, they're now in the serious business, and it's a really good track. Um, and it, it, it's it's uh, they're talking about actually uh, mental health, and it's a real song of hope as well. So well worth checking out. Uh, never let go. Go out and buy it. And um, no doubt we'll see them back in Limerick soon again. Exactly. Listen, Eric, uh, thanks very much for joining me, and we'll see you again next week. See you next week, Andy. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Eric. Um, the art scene in Limerick is always busy, and I'm now joined by Rose Rush, our arts editor. You're very welcome to The Last Post, Rose, and I see that you've news on contemporary dance in Limerick and an interview with Jenny Trainer. I do. It's wonderful to be able to tell you that the season really wakes up with two homegrown festivals. One is super new. This is just the second year of its iteration. The other goes back more than 30 years, and they, it was seeded after the great... Irish gay novelist uh, Kate O'Brien. So could we look at contemporary dance first, I wonder, because it's hot, new, urgent. What I love about Dance Limerick, the dance, the contemporary dance resource centre in 
in John Square. It does a whole range of stuff from running dance classes and jive classes for the over 50s to grooming two to four year olds in dance to running at the annual November Screen Dance International Festival, which is various venues, which has got quite powerful now. Last year, they started up What Next Dance Festival. No question mark attached to that, simply the flat statement, What Next Dance Festival. And take that as a statement of courage for young graduate dancers who are unknown who will likely not be invited to work in productions, to star in venues, to be cast in movies, to go on the stage for the West End, whatever. Young contemporary dancers find it extremely difficult to gain a profile and a platform on which they can do their stuff and develop work. The, the really bright bulb in this is manager of Dance Limerick. Her name is Jenny Trainer. She travelled here from Dublin about six years ago and has really, really, really built up a highly productive, not just a studio or a dance class, it's, 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 it really it's the full suite of resources that any established or emerging producer, choreographer, dancer could wish for. And What Next Dance Festival is a marriage between selected international, very promising graduates and young dancers who are trying to make it, and the best in experienced choreographers and producers, people such as John Scott, people such as Fergus O'Crohour, people such as Catherine Young. Um, the world of contemporary dance, it's quite select, it's quite small. You don't pick up, you know, the Limerick Post or, you know, the Independent, whatever, and find you've pages devoted to it. Mm -hmm. But its following is intense. I'd rank it somewhere between cricket, growing up in Ireland, uh, how that's come to the fore, and how we really, really, really have always previously exported dancers. And now there's much more about engaging them in the fabric of Irish culture, community, give them a platform. So truthfully speaking, this festival is a hothouse for dance works that will be seeded for the first few days in early February. And then we, the public, are invited to free and to paid in ticketed events for the last three days. And the quality of work will be superb. And you have an extensive piece in the in the paper this week with Jenny. Um, if we move on to the next festival, it's the Limerick Literary Festival, and uh, it's returning in February. And I think you went along to the uh, launch event. Yes, more Artie Bang for our books in February. And the wonderful thing about Limerick is it embraces these two festivals very early in the year with equal ease. Limerick Literary Festival really began well over three decades ago. Uh, some people will know it as the Kate O'Brien Weekend, and it was established by a group of hotshot literary women and able movers and shakers in Limerick, some of whom are still involved to this day. Um, and between City of Culture and an injection of money there, between having always grown its profile, its footprint, and the international glitterati of its literati, I really want to tell you that gorgeous rubbishy phrase because they the personnel brought in are just extraordinary they're just extraordinary this year alone we have richard ford who it seems spends quite a bit of time in ireland i think he's got a holiday home in clifton and he writes here we have bestseller liz uh, nugent we have um 
We've Lyndall Gordon, we've Emile Pine, we've Louise O'Neill, who has been hosted by UL as indeed has Richard Ford. And we've all sorts of homegrown talents, such as Kieran O'Driscoll of Estona. He'll be reciting his work with Joe Slade, who's sort of a regular partner with him through events such as Kushla International uh, Literary Festival and Poetry Festival in October. So that's coming up towards the end of February. Let me give you dates here, February 21 to 24. Its launch was last week in Omani's Booksellers. Bill Whelan was there, Mike Finn was there, um, Book Members Club was there. And what I have to do is take my lead from the committee and pay tribute to the late Eileen Battersby, who died tragically just a couple of days before Christmas this year. Um, she was a dear friend to the festival and also became a dear friend to committee members who really were in mourning at this launch for her. It's not that she always said the festival is wonderful, it's fantastic and sold it on air and sold it in her column inches with the Irish Times or whatever other television platform she was invited to. What she did was take it out of the local and acknowledge Limerick for, even in its broken recessionary years, for being able to entice in extraordinary names such as American poet laureates, um, writers, crafters of exemplary renown. Okay, that's great. And again, page 72 and online in this week's edition has, has more. Um, and, and to wrap briefly, Rose, you've got some um, community-based theatre productions and news of them that are coming in the coming weeks. I have. You know, you'd think we'd all be dying around with our, you know, boots off and, you know, wearing onesies after Christmas and um, talking about penury and you know, how fat we are, rubbish like that, forget it. You know, Limerick is banging out there. Two, again, widely different products. Um, we begin with the Smallies, transition year students, who are taking on a big, sprawling and very funny Shakespearean play, Midsummer's Night Dream. That opens tonight, Andrew, so thank you for giving them a plug on, on your show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it's a ticketed event at a professional venue, again, Dance Limerick at John Square, and it's Villiers' own adaptation, led by three really important dramaturgs, writers, actors. These professionals are Neve Bowen, they're Anne Blake, and they're Marie Boylan. These are very, very good quality theatre makers. They're moulding the students and expect, God, more than 50 on stage, I think, tonight and tomorrow night. Wow. Um, and looking to Grana players? Please, can I squeeze in one more? Yeah. Okay, big nod to Grana. They have taken on a leam of Flaherty classic, It's the Informer. Now, our mamas and papas and ourselves and our granny and granddads will recall the John Ford classic that won four Oscars. He took it. He took him of Flaherty's beautiful, beautiful play of a rebel informer on the run and a fugitive on the run and how their stories sort of parallel and intertwine. It's a bit of a bloodthirsty event. Grana is billing it as a tale of betrayal, murder and reprisal. I mean, there's everything to love about this. <laughs> Again, a huge cast, 23 on stage. It plays over the next two weekends. This Friday, Saturday and Sunday, January 18, 19 and 20. And again, you can get your ticket in for the following Friday, January 25th, Saturday 26th and 27th in Granite Community Centre. I cannot tell you how invested the community is in this show. Sounds great. Um, and adds to the 
concept that the arts scene in Limerick is is huge. I think you want to give us a little teaser about two things up and coming next week's pages. Very soon we're rolling in the big guns. Arts page has jumped to march on Russell Carroll Kelly. Uh, his maker, the great, great fecund and multi-award winning Paul Howard, who's a very funny interviewee, a very hardworking man. Paul Howard, aka Rossa Carol Kelly. He's being interviewed by The Page in our next edition. And his namesake, but no relation, David O'Kelly, his multi-multi-award winning show, Bat the Father, Rabbit the Son. He's revived that after 30 years. 30 shows have been toured around Ireland. One is coming to Limerick. He's coming to Bell Table on January 26th. And the first 10 shows sold out. Each got a standing ovation. So now's Limerick's chance to jump on one of the remaining 20. And again, the date is Bell Table. And that's January the 26th. Russell Carrie Kelly's show is going to be a one-man theatre show with Rory Nolan in his shoes. Um as the dork from the dort and that's going to play out over several days in university concert hall in february great we look forward to catching up on that that's next a week. valentine's date under to go to thank you ross it's been great thanks very much for joining us i think so too another content in this week's paper page 18 has news on the national recognition for limerick's young scientists including the art skull reef students who we featured in our first podcast uh, letters to the editor on page 28 while we have six pages of the latest motoring news and advertising in this week's paper. So, this has been The Last Post. I've been your host, Andrew Carey, and for more news, sport, entertainments, home and living, pet news, and much, much more, make sure you turn to Limerick Post every Thursday in print and online at limerickpost.ie and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted. <laughs>